Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to uh, the book of Esther, chapter 3. Reading from verse 1. So good to see you in church. Uh, So good to gather together to worship and to glorify God together. Amen. Esther chapter 3, reading from verse 1, the Bible says, After these events, King Xerxes honored Haman, son of um, hmm, uh, Hamadetha, there you go, the Agagite, elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than that of all the other nobles. All the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman, for the king had commanded this concerning him. But Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. Then the royal officials to the king's gate asked Mordecai, why do you disobey the king's command? Day after day they spoke to him, but he refused to comply. Therefore they told Haman about it to see whether Mordecai's behavior would be tolerated, for he had told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. And so, Father, we just thank you uh, for this opportunity uh, to be able to um, study your word and just to be able to sit at your feet, Lord God. Father, we pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that above all else, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal truth to our hearts. If we understand anything from your word, it's only by the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, just come. Just invite you to just come and speak to us through your word today. Let this word come alive in our hearts. Use us for your glory, Lord God, I pray. Father, let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom to speak and to hear your word. And I thank you that you will speak, that our lives will be changed because of what happens here today. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Sorry, just getting all the bits organized here. (laughs) Um, We're in a series entitled Favor, a study of the book of Esther. And in this series, we're looking at the lessons we learn from this amazing woman of God. Uh, The story of Esther is a story about a woman that became queen uh, because she had just the right looks. But that's the superficial story. Uh, That's the story on the outside. It's a story about a woman who became queen in Babylon um, because she had the right looks. But there is a deeper story. It's a story of an incredible woman who demonstrated courageous faith, a woman of character who risked her own life who was used by God in a powerful way. She was used by God to save a generation, to save a nation. Last week, we looked at one of the key themes of the book of Esther. It's the theme of favor. In fact, six times uh, the word favor actually appears uh, in the book of Esther. Esther chapter 2 verse 15 is one of those times where it says, and Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. She won the favor of everyone who saw her. What was it about Esther that caused her to win 
the favour of everyone that saw her? Was it her beauty? Was that what it was? Was it the fact that she was strategic? Maybe, maybe she was strategic. Maybe she happened to make sure she liked the right people who would, you know, make the right connections. Was she just smart? Was she lucky? Was she, was it just chance or fate that she happened to be at the right place at the right time? Now, the reason why Esther won the favor of others was because she had the favor of God. Can I hear an amen? There's something that we need in our lives. It's not the favor of people. It's not strategic alliances. It's not luck. What we need is the favor of God. What we need more than anything else is the favor of God upon our lives. That's why one of the things I pray for every single day, I say, Lord, I just want to do the will of God. I want to be in the will of God because I know that when, we have, when we're in the will of God, we have the presence of God we have, and we have the favor of God. We have the blessings of God. One of the things you need in business, if you're in business here today, what you need is the favor of God. Um, thank God for alliances and, and networking and blah, blah, blah. All of that, it's all good. You read about it all in the books. But ultimately, what you need is the favor of God because it's the favor of God that opens doors. When we have the favor of God, coincidences begin to happen in our lives. There's something we need in the church. It's the favor of God. I was telling a pastor just yesterday, I was, we were talking about this. I said, what we want as the church above all else, it's the favour of God. You know, but it's strategic or conniving, all the rest of it. What, what we need is the favour of God. Because when we have the favour of God, we have the blessing of God and the presence of God. And that's what makes church exciting. And that's what makes church so powerful. It's why we come back week in and week out. We come back for the presence of God. Can I hear an amen? Not the preaching. Amen? No, don't say amen to that. No, you're not supposed to say amen to that. It was a trick question. You, yeah. When we have the favor of God, we have the blessing, the presence, we have the protection of God. When Jesus began his ministry, he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me to, among other things, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Because I want us to pray and believe that 2024 could be the year of the Lord's favor where God supernaturally uh, pours out His blessing and His favour on our lives individually, but also collectively as the body of Christ. Experience the favour and the blessing. Experience divine surprises. Divine surprises. I love the, the story in the Bible of Jacob that when he was told that Joseph was alive, the Bible says his, his heart stood still. When he got the news that his son Joseph, he thought was dead, when he got the news, his heart stood still. Come on, I want us to believe for some of those kind of moments this year in the name of Jesus. We're going to get some news, some information. Our heart's going to be shocked, surprised, blessed by what God wants to do. Key verse for the series. And who knows that you've come to your royal position for such a time as this? And who knows, Esther, that you have not come into royal position for such a time as this. I love this scripture. I love repeating it again and again. Every time I read it, it challenges me. Every time I, 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 I read it, it inspires me um, because it's packed with purpose and it's, it's packed with, with an understanding that we're not just here for the sake of being here, but that who knows that God has not brought us here for such a time as this to do something for the Lord, to do something for His kingdom. Today, we're going to look at the next chapter in the story of Esther. We're going to look at the Haman spirit. First two chapters of Esther, we're told the story of Esther's chosen queen, goes through this elaborate 12-month process, finally chooses Esther um, king. 
organises another, another banquet so he can show off his new queen, make sure that everybody knows that he's back in charge, he's back in the driver's seat, uh, he's got the remote control back in his hand and everything's under control. And then in chapter 3 of Esther, we're introduced to Mr. Haman. Bible says after these events, King Xerxes honoured Haman, the Agagite, elevating him um, uh, to a place of honour. And all the royal officials of the king's gate knelt down and paid honour to Haman for the king had commanded so, but Mordecai would not. Uh, king Xerxes honours Haman. The people were not were to bow down to him and to honour him, but Mordecai wouldn't do it. Mordecai was urged by those around him, what are you doing? Just, just bow down to, 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 uh, to Haman, but he refused. It's not that, uh, ha- uh, that Mordecai was being proud or uh, disobedient. He was a Jew and it was forbidden uh, to give a man that kind of uh, a homage or, or that kind of worship. Daniel's three friends had the same conviction when they said, we must worship God alone. Uh, and that's the spirit of what uh, Mordecai was was doing here and Haman was reported all of this and the Bible says he was enraged um, and you know he could have uh, taken it out on on Mordecai but instead um, uh, he wants to annihilate uh, all of the Jews because uh, he thinks this is going to be a big problem. So to understand why he hated the Jews so much the Bible also tells us that he was an Agagite. Uh, Haman was an ancestor of King Agag, who was an Amalekite. You read the Bible and you'll see uh, that the Amalekites were forever fighting uh, with, the, with the Jews. In fact, when, uh, when the people of Israel came out of Egypt, one of the first nations that they fought were actually the Amalekites. You will remember the story. Joshua is down in the valley fighting Moses up on the hill with Aaron and Hur holding up his hand. As his hands are being held up, uh, they're winning the battle and so on. It was the Amalekites that they were, they had this profound hatred uh, for the Jews and they were forever coming against them. One particular time uh, in when King Saul um, was reigning, God told uh, God told him to, uh, through Samuel to, to, to uh, annihilate all, all of the Amalekites, but Samuel didn't do it and he spared them. And it's believed that, um, he spared actually King Agag, um, and it's believed that Haman was actually a descendant of this particular king. Haman never forgot the animosity um, and was determined to get revenge with the people of Israel. Revenge not only on Mordecai, but also on all of the Jews. So, Haman has this devious plan and he goes to the king and he says, there's a certain people dispersed, scattered throughout the land, uh, whose customs are different, who do not obey the king's laws. It's not in the, best, uh, in the king's best interest to tolerate them. So if it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them all. And so the king gave Haman the right to actually do that. He issues a decree uh, that on a certain day, all the Jews were to be killed. Chapter four opens up with Mordecai finding out about this plot um, and he's at the king's gate weeping. Esther finds out and um, uh, uh, she then uh, sends a messenger to Mordecai. What's going on? Why are you weeping at the gate? Um, Mordecai tells him everything and he says to him, tell Esther to go to the king. Tell her to tell the king everything that's happened, to beg for mercy. Um, how did Esther respond to the crisis? What I love about this, this particular uh, story is that at this particular point, Esther's initial reaction is call a fast uh, throughout 
the nation and all the Jews in the capital city of Susa set aside three days of fasting. And the result of that was in chapter 5, Esther throws a banquet um, and she invites the king and she also invites Haman along. Haman is so self-absorbed. He thinks, look how great I am. Uh, I've been invited uh, to a banquet uh, by the king. The king's wife has, has put on a banquet and she has invited me to come along out of all the people. So he doesn't know what's about to hit him. Um, at the banquet, she says to the king, if I found favour with you, O king, and if it pleases your majesty, grant me my life. This is my petition and spare my people that this is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed and annihilated. King Xerxes asked Queen Esther, who is he? Where is he, the man who's dead to do such a thing? I think by this time Haman's starting to get a little, little bit nervous. Uh, Esther says, the adversary and enemy is this vile Haman. Haman was exposed. He was put to death on the very gallows he had set up for Mordecai. And king showed favour to Esther, sparing her life, not only her life, but also the king, uh, sorry, all of the people of Israel. So what does all of this speak to us about? What is, what is this story? What does this aspect of the story speak to us? What I want to share <clears throat> this morning, the time I've got left, is about the Haman spirit. The Haman spirit. I want to speak about what it is. How does it manifest? And how do we destroy or come against the Haman spirit? Well, first to the question, what is the Haman spirit? Esther defined it really clearly when she said, the adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. What, 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 is, what is the Haman spirit? You can write this, this, this down in your notes. It's the adversary, it's the enemy. We need to understand as the people of God that we're involved in a spiritual battle. Can I hear an amen? We are involved in a spiritual battle, whether we understand it, think it, believe it or not, we are involved in a spiritual battle. There's a battle going on where the enemy is seeking to destroy, to weaken the people of God. It's a battle that's going on. We're involved. The moment you come to Christ, the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, you suddenly become aware of a, of a, of a dimension, a spiritual dimension. You start to understand that there is this battle between the kingdom of God and the dominion of darkness. And the enemy's doing whatever he can to try to defeat and silence and weaken the church of Jesus Christ. That the enemy's going to come against uh, people like you and me. You may not see your power. You may not see your worth. But the, many, the enemy understands how powerful you and I can be. And he's going to do everything he possibly can to come against the church of Jesus Christ. Haman is a type of the enemy. He's relentless. He's not forgotten what Christ did at Calvary. He knew, he understands the power of Calvary. And he wants revenge. He wants to destroy you and me. How, how, does, how does the enemy destroy? He comes in and he divides and he conquers. He wants to destroy, he wants to destroy us. He wants to, he wants to destroy us at the individual level by, 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 by influencing how we think. Has God said, I just love the way the, way, um, the, way the enemy uh, tempted Eve. Has God really said that? He wants to destroy our marriages, our families. He wants to destroy the church. I don't believe we as Christians fully understand the battle that we're involved in. 
I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not convinced that we fully understand the, 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 the spiritual dimension or, 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 or the battle, the spiritual battle that we're actually involved in as the church of Jesus Christ. Sometimes I pray and say, Lord, help us to uh, open our eyes that we could see what's happening in the spiritual realm. Because I think, I think we'd be shocked. Paul says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The temptation is always to, to come against people. But our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's what the Bible is saying. Our battle is not against people. Sometimes that battle shows itself in the context of people in the natural, but ultimately it's a spiritual battle that needs to be fought with spiritual weapons in the name of Jesus. Peter says, be alert and of a sober mind. Be alert, says Peter. Wake up, says Peter. Peter says, open your eyes. Be alert and of a sober mind. It means think clearly. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion. Makes a lot of noise, but he's not a roaring lion. And he's looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Jesus himself said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. What a powerful verse. Good news is that the gates of hell shall never prevail uh, against the church of Jesus Christ. That's what that word says. It's a word I confess often. Sometimes I see the challenges, the negatives, the this and the that. But I'm reminded of the scripture. I will build my church. First of all, it reminds me that it's Jesus who's building the church. Can I hear an amen? Because sometimes, sometimes I fall into this little deception where I start to think I'm the one building the church. And we're the ones that are responsible for building the church. No, Jesus is saying, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against her in the name of Jesus. I'm just, we just want to be servants. That's all we want to be is servants. I am your servant, O Lord. What is it that you want me to do, O Lord? I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. But listen, the gates of hell are not going to stop trying to prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. They're going to come around and again and again and again because they understand the power of the church. There's something very powerful about what we have here, the church of Jesus Christ. The enemy is always looking for a way to weaken and undermine the church. It's a great scripture that speaks about when Jesus was tempted by the devil. Jesus answered, it is written, it is written. Look, notice how Jesus dealt with the enemy. He's, he's using one of the most powerful, one of the powerful weapons that we have at our spiritual dis disposal. And that is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit. It is written. It is written. It is written. Then the Bible says, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. He doesn't just say he left him. Oh, well, I'll never be able to. No, he looks for another opportunity. The enemy is always looking for opportune times. <laughs> but we not, need, need not fear because we're, we have Christ with us. The hope of glory. When Daniel fasted for 21 days, the Bible says he finally got the answer and answer to prayer. The Bible says, fear not, Daniel. 
For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before, before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me for I was left there with the kings of Persia. Daniel is describing a spiritual, Daniel is praying, he's praying. In the natural, he's praying God. But here we have some insight. It's a window into what's happening in the spiritual realm. What's happening in the spiritual realm, there's a battle going on uh, uh, between the forces of darkness and, the, and, 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 and God. And, and, uh, and an angel comes to, to, to Daniel and says, Daniel, from the very first day, your words were heard. But there's been some resistance in the spiritual realm. But because Daniel persisted and continued to pray and cry out to God, he says, I have come to give you the answer that you're looking for. So often we give up praying after, I, wanna, I don't want to say the first day because I don't even get past the first day. I mean, I get 10 minutes. That's all you got, Lord. Um, and here's Daniel persisting and persevering in prayer. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. We need to hear it. And he's persisting and no answer after day one. No answer after day two. Day three. Day four. But, but, but Daniel had some insight into what was going on in the spiritual realm. Because problem with us is we're a right now generation. Drive through. Instant. Computers are never fast enough. Our phone, what's wrong with this phone? Let's get the new model, it's faster. <laughs> How many people know that God is not in a hurry? He goes, what's your hurry? <laughs> and Daniel's praying. I love this scripture. He's praying, he's praying. He understands there's something going on in the spiritual realm here. And he's crying out to God and he's crying out to God and he persists and perseveres in prayer. And at day 21, the breakthrough happens. Maybe there are some of you in a battle right now. Maybe, maybe you're in a battle right now and you, you feel like, can I encourage you? Don't give up praying. God has heard your prayer. Keep persisting in prayer because God will see you through. We need to understand that the enemy is seeking to withstand the work of God. We've got to understand this principle. But we don't need to be afraid for in Christ, we have authority over every work of the enemy that no matter what the enemy throws at us, we can be victorious in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We can be victorious, not because of our intellect, our righteousness. We can be victorious through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who disarmed the power of darkness there at Calvary. Peter says, resist him. Firm in your faith. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that God is with us. He's going to see us through. The Haman spirit is the spirit that seeks to destroy the people of God. Please understand that. I pray that this thought will, that will be captured by this thought. I mean, this was a physical seeking to annihilate the people, people of Israel. But, but, but we need to understand that the Haman spirit is a spirit that seeks to destroy the people of God. Silence the people of God. Weaken the people of God. The church. It operates at different levels. It operates at the global level. How many people know it's becoming harder and harder to be a Christian today? It's becoming harder and harder to stand for what we believe is the Word of God. 
Christians are called all kinds of names. Got to be careful what names you use, what words you use. Hey, but step all over the name of Jesus. That's quite okay, you know. Christians are undermined simply by standing on biblical values. We're called names like fundamentalists. These are fundamentalists. You've got to be careful of them. <laughs> we just love the Word of God. We just stand on God's Word. We just stand on the Bible. Love the way the Bible says Haman was filled with rage against Mordecai. There are people today that are filled with rage against the church of Jesus Christ. Filled with rage. <laughs> and st strategically strategizing how we can undermine the church. How we can undermine the church. Haman's spirit operates at the church level where the enemy seeks to destroy the church and stop the effectiveness of the church, break the spirit of the church. You need to be aware of this. Haman's spirit also operates at the individual level. The enemy will tempt us. The enemy will seek to weaken our faith, distract us, blunt our resolve, get involved with issues that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God that will stop us from actually making a difference in the world we're living in. And we need to understand more than ever that we're involved in a spiritual battle. Can I hear an amen, church? Man, I, I, I believe this more than ever. I believe this more than ever. Last year, um, we had a new strategy. Why don't we get together on Tuesdays and start praying? And, um, and you know, every time we as a church prayed, feel like the, 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 the spiritual temperature of the church starts to go up. Something changes when we pray. I don't know if you know this, but prayer works. Just helping you in case you didn't know that. Uh, something happens when the church begins to pray. Coincidences begin to happen. And last year we, 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 we said, why don't we get together half an hour on a Tuesday and start to pray? Only a small group, maybe up to, you know, between 10 and 20 people, we'd, we started to get together. But I felt something shift last year. I felt something, I felt like spiritually, Stuff started to happen and I'm going, what's going on, you know? And Pastor Joseph and I, we've always laughed about this because in January when we call the church to pray and fast, there's always stuff that happens. Because uh, as, as, as we pray, listen to what I believe. As we begin to pray, the spirit of Haman is exposed. And it's not pretty, <laughs> but necessary. If we're going to experience the glory of God. So don't be afraid to pray. Come on. More than ever, we need to, I'll come back to this in a second, but more than ever, come on, we need to turn up the heat in the name of Jesus. More than ever, more than ever, we need to cry. We're not gonna be afraid. We're not gonna be afraid of what the enemy's doing. Listen, we are involved in a spiritual battle. Make no mistake about that. But we also need to understand and get a revelation that no weapon formed against us shall prosper in the name of Jesus. That greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world in the name of Jesus. Second question is, how does the Haman spirit manifest itself? Let me give you a few very quick things here. What are some of the strategies the enemy uses to come against the church, the people of God, to weaken it, to destroy the people of God? If you look through the story of Esther, you kind of get a bit of a clue. Uh, the spirit of Haman is an unforgiving, revengeful spirit. 
How does the enemy destroy the church? He gets us to fight each other. That's why Paul says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against your friend, your boss, your spouse. We only have one enemy. It's the enemy of our soul. Please don't forget that. And the enemy will seek to destroy the church through bitterness and resentment and offences. The word offence is a trap. Whenever you see uh, resentment and offences, it, it's, 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 it's a trap of the enemy. Unforgiveness, unresolved conflict. He will do whatever he can to divide the church. He will do whatever he can to divide us. Divide our homes. It's the way he works. He divides and he conquers. It's why we're called to protect the unity of the church at all costs. That's why we're, we're, we're called to protect the unity of our homes at all costs. David said in Psalm 103, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the beard, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard, down the collar of his robe. It's as if the Jew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows. Uh, the King James says, there the Lord commands His blessing. When God sees unity, He commands His blessing. And the devil knows that. And that's why he's gonna do everything he possibly can to try to, to, try to get us one against the other, you know. Little offences, it's the little foxes that destroy the vines. It's not the big offences, it's the little ones. And man, there's so much opportunity to offend each other. Come on, we're all broken. We're all, you know, um, got up on the wrong side of the bed at some stage and you're gonna say, do, you know, and, and the enemy takes advantage of all of that. One of the things I encourage all the workers of the church is to do three things. Number one, promote the vision of the church. When the church is getting involved with something, let's get behind it in the name of Jesus. There's a prayer night happening, let's get behind that. Life groups, get behind that. Um, kids at fun day, let's get behind that. Number two, be an example, be a person of character. Not just in church, adjust the halo as you walk into church, not a bad thing to do, but make sure the halo's still on when you walk out of church. Be a person of character, be an example. People are watching. And number three, protect the unity of the church. Understanding that the unity of the church is so important to the presence and the power of God. We protect jealous, jealously the unity of the church. And when we smell the Haman spirit, we go, hey, we don't talk like that in this church. We deal with this stuff. We deal with this stuff. We break the Haman spirit through love and forgiveness. Pastor Joe, but they're just really difficult to get along with. He's just a little, so are you sometimes, but just don't, don't, you know. <laughs> We're human. Pastor Joe, but they really offended me. What does the Bible say? You go to the person, just between the two of you. Sort it out. If you can't sort it out, get, get someone to help you. By the grace of God. So the spirit of Haman is a lying, manipulative spirit. Haman comes up with his story to the king. This group of people, the Jews, they're dangerous. They don't comply to the king's edict. They're rebellious. They would do harm. None of that was true. None of that's true. It's a lying, manipulative spirit. If you noticed how the media is always painting the church in a negative way. It's the Haman spirit. It's a strategy to seek to undermine 
um, the power of the church. Every time they do a story, they go and find some crazy guy somewhere in the world, in the desert somewhere. You know, you think these people are crazy. And that's, we'll do a story on them. <laughs> Why? Because the, 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 it's, it's a lying, manipulative spirit seeking to undermine the church of Jesus Christ. The spirit of Haman is a selfish, proud spirit. All Haman ever did was look out for his own interests. It's all about how he looked, his position, how important he was. He needs to bow down to me because I'm important. And if we entertain the Haman spirit, a proud spirit, it will destroy the body of Christ. Called to serve. Be servants of God. When we give into pride and selfishness, we make room for Haman. Instead, the Bible says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. We're always going to be tempted to pride. I don't care how holy you are. You look very spiritual this morning, but I don't care how spiritual you are. We will all be tempted in the area of pride. It's not the temptation to pride that's the issue. It's what you do with it. And as soon as we recognize it, we need to confess it to God. God, the Bible says, He resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? He, he res I don't want to be resisted by God. He resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Man, I've, I've, every, every day I pray, I have a lot of issues with pride. So I, I pray every day, Lord, I pray for a humble heart with God. And we walk humbly before you. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Help me, Lord, to walk humbly with you. Because it's only by your grace and for your glory. I remind myself again and again and again. It's by the grace of God and it's for the glory of God. And if there's anything we can do, if there's anything we've done that it looks like any, it's in, of any kind of value in the kingdom, it's by the grace of God and it's for His glory. It's for His glory. Or just instruments in the hands of God. What we need to entertain in church is a servant spirit. Spirit of Haman is an angry spirit filled with rage. It's a plotting spirit. That's E, it's a plotting spirit. It's, a, it's an angry spirit. That was D. And the spirit of Haman is a covert spirit. Haman's spirit is a covert spirit. It flies under the radar. It's wreaking havoc, but it's all underground, hidden, concealed. No one talks about it. Imagine here was the king promoting a man that was plotting to kill his wife and he didn't even know it. There was someone amongst his own ranks that was plotting to, to, to undermine his kingdom and the king did not even know it. That's the Haman spirit. It works in the dark, works underground. The enemy very rarely introduces himself. Hello, I am the enemy and I am here to destroy you and your home and your church. Can I come in? <laughs> it's not the way he works. He's always looking for a way to undermine the people of God. It's why we need to be vigilant. It's why the Bible says, be alert and of a sober mind. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. Your enemy prowls around, looking, looking for an opportunity, looking for the cracks. 
We need to be careful that inadvertently we don't become part of what the enemy's doing. And if we do see the Haman spirit at work, if we see people undermining the church of Jesus Christ, we need to call it out. We as the body of Christ are responsible for the unity in the body of Christ. We will collectively determine the unity that is in the body of Christ and in so doing, determine the blessing that is on the, uh, on the body of Christ. Can I hear an amen? Pastor Jay, it's your responsibility you're the boss. You sort it out. Few issues around, no. This is our church. Can I hear an amen? We are part of this family. We, 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 if this church is successful, it's never gonna be because of an individual. I can assure you, it's gonna be because we all take responsibility in the name of Jesus for making sure that, that we experience the glory and the presence of God. We need to collectively take responsibility for the unity of the church. And that doesn't mean being a cowboy or a police person or whatever. That doesn't mean any of that. It just means gently, if we see two people, well, let's just encourage, hey, we're gonna pray with you. Come on, our, you know, if we hear someone criticizing or gossiping and, and that stuff isn't good. That's the Haman spirit at work. We need to say, hey, come on. Let me pray with you. Let me help you. But it's complicated. Of course, it's always complicated. We know none of this stuff is simple. Human relations are complicated in the name of Jesus. But by the grace of God, God can unite our hearts. One mind, one heart, one spirit. Paul says to the Ephesians, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. <laughs> wow. It's not very friendly. Or either we tolerate the, the deeds of darkness or we expose them. It's, it's one of those two things. And man, I don't know about you, but my heart longs to see the glory of God. My heart longs to see the power of God manifest. My heart longs to see God move in ways. My heart longs to see God pour out His favour upon the church of Jesus Christ. How's that going to happen? It's going to happen because we all take responsibility for the glory of God. This is our home. This is our family. And let's all take responsibility. How do we take responsibility? We pray for the church every single day. Um, we protect the unity of the church. When we come to church, if we see a piece of paper on the floor, we pick it up in the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Pastor Joe, that's a little bit practical. That's just a little bit, you know, I just want to do the spiritual things, you know. If we see someone new, we welcome them in Jesus' name. If we see someone lost, we help them find their way. Can I hear an amen? amen. Hmm. Third question. How do we deal with the Haman spirit? Esther said, go gather together all the Jews and fast for me. Do not eat, drink for three days, night and day, and I and my maids will fast with you. And when this is done, I'll go to the king. Notice how Esther doesn't say, listen, listen, Mordecai, let's get some weapons. Let's get a lawyer. Let's organise a march. Esther understood that this was a spiritual issue, which is why Esther said to Mordecai, get the people to fast. There's only one way to deal with a Haman spirit, and that is with spiritual weapons. And chief among the spiritual weapons is prayer and fasting. When you combine prayer and fasting together, it's powerful. It's a powerful weapon in the name of Jesus. 
Fasting brings a greater awareness of God. Fasting brings us closer to God. Fasting humbles our heart. The antidote to a proud spirit is fasting. One of the things fasting does is, is it humbles our heart. You will always be more humble after you've fasted. Fasting enables us to hear the voice of the Spirit with greater clarity. <coughs> fasting brings our flesh under the authority of the Spirit. Fasting releases the power of the Spirit. Fasting exposes the work of the enemy. We recognise that we're involved in a battle that cannot be fought with our hands and intellect. We need the favour of God. That's why we need to be a fasting and praying church. Arthur Willis, <coughs> a new generation is arising, he says, there is concern in the hearts of many for the recovery of apostolic power. But how can we recover apostolic power while neglecting apostolic practice? How can we expect the power to flow if we do not prepare the channels? Fasting is a God-appointed means for the flowing of His grace and power that we can afford to no longer neglect. Paul says to Corinthians, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Instead, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Often in the Bible, fasting is connected with prayer. The Bible says, so we fasted in Ezra and he answered our prayer. Church in Antioch, while they were worshipping and fasting, the Holy Spirit, as we begin to fast and pray, the Holy Spirit speaks. We create an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to begin to speak. It's the power of prayer and fasting. When Joseph and the people of Judah were faced with a vast army, it's another battle. It's a battle that was threatening to annihilate the people of Israel. What did they do? What was the strategy? How did they deal with this? They resolved to inquire of the Lord. They proclaimed a fast and they began to seek the Lord. Man, that's what the church needs to do more than ever. We need to come together with one voice, seek the Lord, fast together. And God intervened in a powerful way. Esther prayed, fasted, she approached the king and Haman was defeated. Haman thought he was powerful, invincible, but he didn't realise that there is a God in heaven who exposes the evil work of darkness. The enemy always goes just below the radar, but God exposes the deeds of darkness. Paul says to the Corinthians, he will bring to light what is hidden in the dark and he will expose the motives of men's heart. That's how God works. As we begin to pray and fast, the spirit of Haman, the, the work of the enemy is exposed. And God deals with it. Haman was so angry, he set up the gallows for, for Mordecai and, and then those same gallows were used with him. We're living in some perilous times feels like we're getting closer and closer to the end. I know we've been saying that for a while now, but it just feels like it. World's getting crazier and crazier. Can I hear an amen? People are getting crazier and crazier. When's, when's it going to end? And one of the ways that we know that we're getting closer to the end, listen carefully, church. I believe is that there is a renewed push to destroy silence and weaken the people of God and the church of Jesus Christ. How do we know we're getting closer to the end? There's this renewed effort push to weaken the church, silence the church, to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. 
We're seeing that in our day. And it's global. It's global. What I think is interesting is that Esther was a bit like the church. She's in the palace, enjoying her life, being queen. She's got a little bell. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. Latte, thanks. Splash of lemon. All the while, she's in the palace, enjoying the palace. All the while, there's a plot going on to destroy her very life. She was not aware of it. Mordecai, I believe, is a voice to the church today saying, hey, come on, Esther, it's time to wake up. It's time to stand up. It's time to wake up from your slumber. Can't you see what's happening, Esther? And who knows that you have not come to your royal position for such a time as this? Who knows that God has not brought you here for such a time as this? Well, what do I need to do? Okay, maybe I'm here for such a time. What do you want me to do? Notice what Esther did instinctively. What was, the, what was the first thing that Esther did? Instinctively. We got an issue, we got a problem. We got, we got Haman is coming against us. What did she do instinctively? Instinctively, she calls a fast. She, she acknowledges it's a spiritual problem that requires a spiritual weapon, a spiritual strategy. Believe the Haman spirit is alive and well. And more than ever, we need to be aware, vigilant and pray for. Believe the answer for the church today is not better building songs or preaching. What the church needs to do is pray and fast and seek the favour of God like never before. And if we do, if we take this message seriously, we will save a generation. We will save a generation. We, we will save a generation that is believing the Haman message. The media is, it's not all bad, I know that, but, but there's, a, there's an underlying message that come against the church and there's a world that's believing that message. How's that gonna change? I tell you how it's gonna change. It's the church standing up and beginning to pray and fast and seek the face of God in the name of Jesus. Don't need a better, don't need better nothing. What we need is the presence of God. Can you imagine if God begins to manifest Himself amongst the church of Jesus Christ with power? You're not gonna need social media to advertise. Word is gonna get around. There's something happening on Anger Street. That's, that's, what's, that's what the world needs today. How's that gonna happen? It's you and me. It's you and me saying, it's time to pray and fast and seek God. Pastor Joe, what do I need to do with today? I don't know, maybe there's some of you going through some personal battles. Haman is not some global thing, it's personal. It's in your own heart, it's in your own spirit. It's the enemy seeking to divide you, your mind. Man, why don't you put a couple of days aside and start to pray and fast? Say, God, I'm sick and tired of being manipulated by this spirit. Maybe it's in the home. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a personal issue that you, you're facing. Then it's belief for that. But as a church, why don't we start praying? There's Tuesdays. There's the first Wednesday of the month. But hey, nothing stops you. 
Uh, we give you permission during the week. Hey, why not, why, not, why not set aside a day and begin to fast and pray for the church of Jesus Christ? Every, every, every day, Lord, pray for the church, believing for a move of God. Who knows what God will do? Who knows what God will do? Let's protect the unity by His grace and for His glory and so see the favour of God, the blessings of God, the glory of God manifest amongst these people. Will you stand with me? Father, I thank You for Your Word. I just pray that as we leave, that we will digest this Word. I'm just going to walk out saying, as a not bad word. No, but it's going to actually challenge us to take action. It's going to challenge us to believe. It's going to challenge us to, to do something. Who knows that you've not brought us here for such a time as this? Who knows that we are positioned here for such a time as this? And Father, let us begin like Esther by seeking your face. Because without you, we have no power. We thank you that your word says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We thank you the authority that we have through every work of the enemy. That we thank you that your word says that you build the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. We thank you for your promises says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We stand on your promises. We stand on your word. And we thank you for the victory that is ours through Jesus Christ our Lord. Use us for your glory we pray. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. 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 Been an amazing congregation. God bless you. Have a great week and we'll see you back next week.